Hi everybody and welcome back to B2B Nav. Uh, this week we've got a special edition and we are joined by some very special guests, um, Ed and Reese from Showpad. We've also got Ollie with us, Head of Tech here at BDB. Uh, and this week's edition is focusing all around sales enablement. So should we start off with the basics like we normally do? I don't know who wants to pick this up. Sales enablement, what is it? Do you, want to, do you want to go, Ollie? Do you want to go first? No, I think I'll throw it to one of the, uh, one of the guests right. straight in to tackle that one. Sure, yeah, I'll take it on. So, sales enablement as a, a topic, um, it's a relatively new term, really come in the last uh, three, four years as um, you've seen the, the history of other technologies being used across the business when it comes to sales and marketing. Sales enablement um, essentially uh, is a way of improving the processes of what salespeople are doing in B2B organizations. Um, so that can be anything from making sure they have the right uh, content to share in meetings, mm -hmm. to actually training and onboarding and making them more effective in what they do on a day-to-day -day basis. So actually training on the products in which you sell. So it, it encapsulates all of those, those areas from making sure they have the relevant insights, content, uh, and also the uh, the training as well on a day-to-day -day basis. It, it does seem to be something that's kind of cropped up out of nowhere, I would say, in the sense yeah, of yeah, certainly yeah. from the, the Marcom side of things that, you know, it's something that it's a term, I would say, that in the last 12 to 18 months, maybe two years, we've mm -hmm. become more familiar with and yeah. clients are now starting to speak about sales enablement as part of their integrated journey and their kind of marketing communications mix going forward. And as we said earlier, we were laughing and joking, we're seeing sales and head of sales enablement, yeah. sales enablement directors cropping up on LinkedIn these I days. I know a couple of the uh, companies I'm aware of have entire departments and divisions. Um, I guess they're the bigger, more multinational companies, but entirely dedicated to sales enablement now as well. So it's not just one person in some cases have got, got that title is the entire kind of department to support that company globally and, and what do you think Reese? i've got to come to you what, what do you think the driving force is behind this that's, that's causing this to come to the forefront of people's um consideration yeah it's a really good point so i've been in sales and aiming at the showpad for for two years now and i've definitely seen it move from more of a nice to have to mm -hmm. okay this is great this is cool to yeah. actually we, we really need to do this how do we tackle it i think that the driving force is is that um you know, you need to make sure that salespeople can maximize every interaction with yep. their target audience, with their prospects, their customers. And gone are the days where, you know, you're trying to interact with a sales force, you know, a CRM, for example, a CMS sure. system, marketing automation. Actually, we just need to strip it back. Yep. We need to have a tool in place that's designed for salespeople where they can log in. They've got a single UI where they can do everything that they need to prepare, present, share their collateral yep. and then use that data to drive better sales and marketing alignment, better mm -hmm. content campaigns, but also help drive sales productivity as well. Okay, cool. And Ollie, from our perspective, where, where have we seen clients using it so far in terms of where's it cropped up across our portfolios? Well, I suppose you're seeing it a lot in terms of, of I mean, obviously it's supporting sales, attending, um, attending sales meetings and things like that, but also you're seeing a lot of pe uh, people attending events, being able to have things to hand so that they don't need to kind of scramble for all that content. Mm -hmm. And I think in, in terms of things like industry, you're seeing it in, I guess it's, it's, it can apply to anybody in B2B, um, but I think it benefits where, where clients have quite complex uh, offerings or, or vast offerings where there's potentially a lot of collateral or it's something that's not necessarily easy to digest with that quick one-line pitch. Yeah. You know, sometimes with some of our clients being as technical and industrial as they are, you really need to be able to have more supporting information at hand to really make sure the people you're speaking to understand 
what it is that you're offering. And we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of clients at events and exhibitions as well, embracing kind of the sales enablement journey as well. I guess the classic kind of example of the salesman on stand with an awful lot of collateral yeah. at their disposal. So multiple brochures, but when they've got such a diverse um, product showcase, let's say, how on earth can they have all that kind of mm. stuff at their fingertips? And that's where a show pad or a sales enablement solution really can mm -hmm. um, be, be a value to the clients, I guess. So, yeah, um, I think it's it can be quite overwhelming for new people joining a business as well. Yeah. If if they are selling complex solutions, if they need to be quite consultative, yeah. if they haven't, if they don't know where to look to yeah. find those materials, if they're not equipped yeah. to articulate the value, but behind that conversation, mm -hmm. they're going to struggle. Yeah. Um, they're going to they're going to you know miss out on opportunities, and they might even damage the brand. So yeah. it's all about making sure that. You know, everybody can go into these conversations armed to the teeth to, to, to deal with that modern buyer. And we talk about that a lot, the modern buyer. But, um, you know, in the internet age here, digitalization, yeah. everyone has more information at their fingertips than ever. So yeah. not only have you got to probably sell a more complex, diverse portfolio, but your customer or prospects researched you, your competitors, these types of things. Yeah. So you need to make sure that you can be agile in those conversations. Yeah. Yeah, I guess tied into the fact that the modern B2B buyers we've touched on the previous podcast does a lot of the research themselves. There's an awful <laughs> lot of content yeah, out there yeah, to yeah. actually identify what they want before they get to you. So being able to take that final 20% of that conversation with them in a non-linear direction, yeah. I guess is kind of what we're saying here because you can't always predict exactly what somebody's going to want to see. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, as you see the last you know 10 years, the digitization, which has happened across all marketing channels now, companies have spent a lot of money like what you guys do, helping companies with their websites, helping with brochures. Everything's become digitized. So now the, the shift in power has moved to the buyer. The buyer has all the information they need. Their decision is uh, more or less made before they interact with the salesperson. So sales enablement is about giving the salespeople everything they need to help them be more effective in adding those insights into the conversations which they're having with uh, the potential buyer. So you're giving them a, a digital briefcase rather than the old school briefcase which just had a load of brochures in it. Yeah. How, how do you adapt to the uh, the modern buyer and how do you help them when it comes to helping with their purchase decisions? Yeah. And, and I think that's one of the big challenges we see as well, which yeah. is co we come on to challenges shortly, but it's, it's really relevant to raise it at this point of a lot of our clients, no matter how large or sophisticated they are or global multi-billion pound corporations, are entering or starting to embrace their digital transformation journeys, I guess. And because of the, indus the industries that are in, there's some hesitancy or fear around mm. digital transformation. So, um, you know, you can, you can arm them with as many tools as you want. They're yeah. still probably sat there having the old school conversations, selling yeah. in the way they've always sold. Um, and there's that balance to be struck there, but I guess, we're gonna to to speak about Showpad at some point, but in the sense of your tool, your technology, it's so intuitive. That's mm. that's that's so for people that are early in their digital transformation journey, it's it's very easy for somebody to get comfortable with it. And I think it's a lovely entry point to their sales enablement journey as well, potentially, where, where that fear exists, because it certainly it certainly does amongst our client base. Mm. I, think? I think so. I think in, in those kinds of industries, you know, for us, you know, we work with a lot of customers, but sales enablement is, is particularly popular in things like manufacturing and construction, yep. which you know, stereotypically are quite traditional industries and yeah. you know you've got a large demographic of, of different types of salespeople, yeah. different ways of selling and I think I think the trick is just to keep it simplistic mm -hmm. if it's not simple and yeah. if it doesn't do what it says people won't use it and you yeah. can apply that to anything so I think I think simplicity is key yeah mm -hmm. and some of these investments I guess in terms of tech and and, and sales and solutions like Showpad um, it can be expensive but I guess that also ties into again what we we're discussing earlier in the sense of 
a lot of our clients' marketing budgets are becoming under more pressure. Yeah, yeah. People want to see great greater return on investment, mm-hmm. and they've got to go to their bosses either cap in hand, so to speak, or with some kind of argument <laughs> of why they should be producing this content. And sales enablement for me only helps them in that scenario. Would you agree? Yeah, hundred percent. I think obviously some of the points that we were talking about earlier on off the podcast uh, is around like the time that it saves you. So straight away there, that might not be um, might not be related to a financial thing, but it directly relates back to how much how much uh, your salespeople can do, which will in turn affect your ROI. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of understanding and looking beyond the, what something costs. Um, and, and looking back to further on to what you will get out of it mm-hmm. if you if you kind of embrace it and implement it correctly. Yeah, yeah I think when looking at you know uh, implementing or or trying to put together a sales enablement strategy, you've really got to you know put it into two camps. You've got your cost center and your and your profit center. Yeah. And I think if you're looking at profits, you need to be measuring things like how many people are currently hitting target, how long does it take them to find or prepare for their presentations at the moment, sure. and then you can start to quantify the ROI, and then from you know from a cost perspective, mm-hmm. all right, it, you know, it might seem expensive, but actually if we can save you X amount on, on marketing, you know, on, on printed brochures, yeah. and if we can track a marketing ROI and link that back to, to business revenue, what does that mean for the business? And all of yeah. a sudden, it's it's no longer an expensive cost, it's, it's a no-brainer, we need to yeah. get from A to B, and this is where it's going to take us along that journey. Yeah. yeah. I think there's just a good point to raise there as well with regards to uh, marketing budgets because I think we always talk about the fact that if a company's trying to, to save money, marketing budgets are often one of the ones that yeah. gets cut first <laughs> yep. because it's often the one that's got the least tangible impact. I don't think if a company's kind of in a dire or... or cost-saving situation, mm. they're, they're not going to start cutting the money from the sales team that can bring them that revenue in. So having something in place like a show pad can also help show what that marketing team is bringing in, which means that you understand that it's got value to it and that it should be invested in, and more importantly, where that investment needs to be, not just kind of kind of spreading money across the board, but understanding that actually producing that type of content really helped the sales team, help close X more deals, therefore let's invest more in that content. So I think I think because it's worth for the listeners maybe that aren't familiar with the show pad or aren't familiar with sales enablement to such an extent of trying to articulate how it's used to an extent. So typically I will now go to an event armed with my iPad as big as possible to make the screen more engaging. Um, but we have all our BDB content housed on this one iPad. Um, you can sit down with somebody. You can ask them where they'd like to take the conversation because it's all readily available. And so the non-linear selling aspect certainly comes out and played a bit of marketing buzzword bingo here, but in the sense of it really just come to the forefront. You can then access that content, talk them through it, build a collection. So build them a portfolio of stuff that you shared with them, instantly share that with them after the meeting and then track how they use and how they engage with that content. Mm -hmm. And so the stats and the insight it gives you into what content is working and what content maybe isn't working, which is equally as important to understand is the, for me personally, at this my stage in sales enablement journey and where we're up to with Showpad is the absolute gold dust Mm -hmm. that I've, I've never experienced before. And I think when we come back to return on investment on a brochure, on a stand, I'm yet to meet a client that can tell me what the return on that investment was. You know, so. There's two points you can add to that as well. There's one that, with SharePad in particular, that all works offline. So when you're yes. at an event where I think we can all agree internet connections are usually a little on the dodgy side if you have one at all. Um, so you don't need to worry about that. It's all preloaded. And I think the other aspect was... Um, completely slipping my mind right now so let's move on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'll come back to me in a minute and i'll chime in but again do, do, you, do you guys find obviously from the showpad side of things with the sales enablement is, is that is the content side one of the main hooks at the minute that gets people engaging yeah. with it from yeah. the off 
I think so. And I, I think, you know, there's, there's really two sides to the content side when it comes to the sharing of that content, when you send it out to yeah. uh, potential prospects, it's both for the salesperson, it's for marketing as well. So mm -hmm. it, it helps with that sales and marketing alignment, bringing people together. Yeah. So when you share out content using Showpad, you've got to track and see what people are doing with that content. So mm -hmm. you've got to see if they're spending eight minutes on uh, page 16. Yeah. You probably know in the next meeting, you need to spend all that time on page 16, having that conversation. Yeah. Whereas before you wouldn't have that understanding of the digital body language. Yeah. Marketing might have done with their marketing assets on their website, but not in terms of the uh, the black box of sales that you have out there. Yeah. So what we're doing really and what Sales Enablement is all about is digitizing um, what the salespeople are doing. And yeah. you, know, you talked about it earlier and uh, you know, Sales Enablement being a big investment. We're seeing now um, Sales Enablement job titles have tripled in the last three years on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be seen as a cost saving. You know, the biggest investment typically for companies isn't in marketing budget in the B2B world. It's actually on the salespeople's yeah. salaries and uh, yeah. paying them commissions. So yeah. putting a small amount of budget into sales enablement strategy, whatever it is, whether it's um, coaching, onboarding services, whether it's creating better content for salespeople, is uh, a much more effective way of actually, you know, increasing the uh, the bottom line of uh, their sales over over time as well. So I think, that, I think switching that in, mindset yeah. from it being a uh, an overhead to an investment. Yeah, it, it, it's it, got to be it, an investment. It's yeah. got, it, but it's got yeah. to be viewed like that. Yeah. Yeah. I also, I also yeah. like digital body language. I'm going to yeah, use it. Exactly. I think the other aspect as well is I can't remember the exact stats. If either of you know it off the top of your head, then feel free to chime in. But I think it was a report by uh, potentially Forrester mm -hmm. sort of a year or two ago that showed the sales enablement kind of marketplace was about 500 million. And I think within five years it was, and that was due to sort of be five, five billion range. Yeah. Figures yeah, might not yeah. be exact, but the point is, is that we're expecting huge growth in that area. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if it's not an area that, that kind of you're getting involved in with your company, somebody else is, that might be one of your competitors and, and they might be then offering a better customer experience and journey than you're able to offer. So it's, I think it's something definitely to be aware of and, and start getting involved in sooner rather than later. Massively, and I, I think one example of that would be uh, would be Thomas Cook. You mm -hmm. know, it's a, a household name. It's a, a real shame uh, with what happened, but you know, they decided to try and swim against the digital current, so to speak. They invested a lot more in, uh, you know, high street stores rather than improving their, their digital impact, their digital, um, you know, uh, you know, awareness, if you will. Um, and, um, you know, it's very obvious what happened. And if we look at a lot of the reports from, you know, the likes of Forrester, CSO Insights, uh, Serious Decisions, um, you know, buyers are, are more informed than ever. Um, you know, people are, companies are coming out to say that their first meeting with sales aren't impactful. Yeah. But then on the flip side, salespeople are saying that they're spending a lot of time finding content. So you can't improve what you can't measure. So for us, it's, it's a really simplistic way of saying, okay, well, let's just measure how we're working today. Let's figure yeah. out what's working, what's not. Yeah. Let's use that data and, and let's improve our buying experience. So, um, yeah, I think that's the sole purpose of sales. And I think that's, yeah. that was a really, again, offline, but a really early thing I picked up from Showpad from engaging with you guys and the wider Showpad team was turning your middle performers or mid-sales performers into yeah. your top sales performers because yeah. from a marketing perspective it's great to know what content's working it's great to know what content is resonating with the audiences that you can reuse that and you can build that up it's also great it's gold dust again to see from the salesman's perspective or salesperson's perspective the flow of content that they go through to close a deal yeah. and i think being able to track that and say this is the preferred track this is exactly where the traction's happening with our clients and then 
for other people to replicate that. Mm. Um, and sometimes it will be down to the individual salesperson and how they've delivered it. But quite often it's not, and it's actually the track of information and the flow and the journey and the story you've told somebody as you've, as you've closed out that deal. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think, you know, uh, obviously you're going to invest some time with, with, your, with your low performers, but really if you're going to see, you know, quick growth and, and improving profitability or productivity, it's going to be that sure. mid to top. So, you know, if, if myself and Ed were a construction company, if I'm based down south and, and Ed's, um, you know, based up north, he's a top performer um you know it's not it's not cost effective for ed to come down and, and train or shadow someone like me or you know new recruits these types of things so sure. actually what we need to do is digitally capture what he does in his meetings how he presents how yep. he closes business how he follows up take that dna yep. and share that with the wider team and you can't do that if you don't have a system in place to allow you to do so oh, no, it's magic. Yeah. Magic. i guess what the final point before we delve a little bit deeper into showpad was trying to think of key hot topics and things that are really relevant to our client base particularly, which obviously is why we do the podcast. One of them was around consistency of information and particularly in the legislative yeah. world. So I think we came to one of uh, the Showpad event in Ghent yeah, a couple of years yeah. back. It was GE Healthcare yeah. who yeah. were presenting and they were kind of a case study that was being used in more recent uh, Rosh as well. Um, but in GE, they were talking about kind of the boilerplate, the disclaimers, the legalities of wanting yeah. to make sure that everything was up to date and mm. no matter what you've got on a SharePoint or no matter what you've got in a shared drive or whatever old school system you've got these mm. days, most people have something that they download, bastardize, so to speak, and yeah. probably play with and turn it into something, unfortunately, that maybe isn't the exact version you need them to be using from a legislative angle. Or if that regulation gets updated or some of those downloaded documents are completely out of date and you need the, the team to be using the most up-to-date version. And Sherpad's a really good way of controlling that in those kind of industries yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, as a salesperson, you know, I've um, been in sales for quite a few years. I remember when I was at Oracle, mm -hmm. as a salesperson there, I would have debt three years out of date scramble together from other salespeople sending me over bits and pieces it takes hours to put I'm them together because it's still familiar <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and uh, yeah especially in, as you say in these uh, more regulated industries it's more complex mm -hmm. um, because you'll have out of date content sat on your, your desktop um, salespeople are actually scared about sending that out now yeah. uh, how do they go for a single source of truth for their sales content yeah. they find it in one place they can't find it in SharePoint that's not really built for salespeople it's built for marketers um, so yeah having that that single place to go and find your content's key in a quick way and quickly be able to make those presentation decks when you're on the fly in meetings as well yeah. especially in those regulator industries the Roches the J&Js and having that you've got um, GDPR obviously last year you've got yeah. um uh, medical device regulation coming in next year yeah. for a lot of the med dev companies we work with and if um those guys don't have the most up-to-date regulated content then they're not going to um be effective in their roles and they could actually you know legality get into a lot of trouble as well yeah, that's yeah. serious consequences for yeah those guys or just not do anything and then salespeople just don't do anything and don't ever send anything out and yeah. then that's even worse because you're not even you know producing anything as a salesperson sure anything else sales enablement wise we want to raise before we dive a little bit deeper into showpad uh, not particularly that I can think of off the top of my head, so let's okay. dive in. We're, worth explaining before we go a bit more into Showpad, I guess our relationship with Showpad. Yeah. So we, we entered into a relationship with Showpad after seeing it um, demoed by one of the agencies across our E3 network that we're part of in Paris, I think in 2017. Yeah. And it was something uh, BBC who they were just, get, just getting on board, on board with and started to play with a little bit yeah, in the yeah, early yeah. days. And it was a very early stage demo from them. Um, but immediately I could see there was something in it so we wanted to get involved with you guys on that to be clear we don't make any money out of Showpad We're not, this yeah. is not a plug for Showpad it's the fact that Showpad is the market leader in this space for the meantime mm -hmm. and 
I always feel like you can you can talk about it freely because we use it and mm. um, we use it for ourselves we use it for our own content but for those that don't know Showpad is it worth giving us a little bit of background on who you are what you are you know so yeah sure um, so uh, we've been around about eight years now originally from Ghent in mm -hmm. Belgium but we're now very global we have 50 people in the UK, uh, a few hundred in America, okay. based all around the world. Uh, we originally started out as just a very simple iPad app for uh, trade shows, a way of displaying content for the co-founders, client they have when they run a digital agency like you guys. Sure. Um, it just spawned from there, from being this app to use content to now this complete sales enablement platform mm -hmm. for sales readiness, for sales onboarding, sales content, and also having conversations and more experienced um, uh, actual experiences with your actual clients. So yeah. it's, a, it's a full platform now rather than just a... Uh, uh, a point solution. Okay. And I think what's nice about that as well is that I've seen some of the solutions that started probably around a similar time to the when you started yeah. and have stayed kind of in that space of, of being the iPad app to help have content at events yeah, and things yeah. like that. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But you've obviously had the vision to become more than that yeah, to yeah. kind of, I, I guess you've got an internal mantra along the lines of helping sales, helping salespeople and really enabling salespeople, not just in that one area, but in whatever area it is mm -hmm. that they need help. And you see that with, with the way that you keep with the, the way you keep growing, I suppose. Yeah, I think it's yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've grown 100% year on year and our, our CEO and, you know, our, our, our CEO and, and, and CPO, you know, PJ and Louis, they're still very much hands-on. They still, you know, get involved in things like product innovation, strategy. Um, and it's fantastic because we, we've helped carve out this category now of, of, of sales enablement. It's it's a real pleasure. We're very humble to be, to be the market leader and, mm -hmm. and to work with companies all over the world. And, for me, I think the real key thing is that, you know, it's all around that, you know, that, that buying experience, helping people become better salespeople or, or you know, capturing or improving marketing ROI. Um, and it's a real luxury to be, you know, the most complete, you know, flexible sales solution um, in, in multifaceted approaches as well. So I think what's really interesting when you come to the events as well and you hear PJ or Louis speak, you can still see the enthusiasm there. Yeah. So despite the growth and despite the success, it's still the, yeah. pa the passion yeah. and the excitement genuinely really yeah. comes through. I think yeah. for, for me, yeah. one of the funniest yeah. things is, um, you know, we run Transform, which is the largest sales and open conference in, in sure. the US and, and in Europe. Was the US um, the first one this year or not? Uh, right? Yeah, I think it was last year, last year in Chicago. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Louis will come up and, and, and Gaurav as well, who helps drive, yeah. you know, our, our product. And you look around and you see customers taking notes, but then you also see people from Showpad as well also <laughs> taking notes yeah. going, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. That's coming out next year as that's well. That's developing so, really quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so an, an, ex an exciting excited. roadmap ahead as well. Then. Absolutely. Fantastic. Okay. So I guess I'm going to put you all on the spot now. I like doing this, but in the sense of top tips for people that are starting their sales enablement journey. Ollie, if we start off with you, given you've done this before. Yeah, why not? Um, <laughs> so I'd say, I think, I think one of the first things, um, and I'm going to answer this from a marketer's perspective, I suppose, yep. is, is to try and work closely with your with your sales team, understand what challenges they're going through, um, understand uh, not just from the top level, but what do they go through in a meeting? What struggles do they have? What what challenges challenges do they actually face in a meeting? Is it the fact that they don't have content available? Is it the fact that they don't feel confident talking about that particular product or service or whatever mm -hmm. it might be? But I think you're getting key insights by sitting down with that sales team member and, and understanding what they're really, really facing as an issue. And then you can start thinking about how you can address that and what you can provide to them that'll help make that process better. Okay. Ed? Yeah, that? I think um, similar to that really, do a survey, um, you either get an agency to help you do that, um, bring them in, 
interview the salespeople, which is really key. You know, I think the big challenge is sometimes that people don't really understand what's going on on the floor, mm -hmm. what salespeople are really facing. So understand their key challenges and then work from there. Keep it simple when you build out your sales enablement strategy, whether it's focused on content, if that's the challenge, whether it's focused on uh, training and upskilling. Yeah. You know, start with one area, sure. do it simple, get it working, and then scale it out to more and more people across the business. Whether you're in divisions, you start with one division, whether you're in different teams. Um, I think you just got to, prove the ROI and then uh, roll it out further. I think that's the key thing we see, especially with anything technology-wise, is, is don't try and start too big. There's, yeah. You should focus on a certain area first. It's not easy to roll things out. It's not easy to drive change. Yeah. So focus on an area at a time, however big that might be, but focus on an individual area at a time that you can really effectively bring about change in and that you have the resources to affect yeah. before you start trying to take that to everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nobody likes to be last one. That's all right. Yeah. No pressure. No pressure. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's really interesting what you say there in terms of, you know, taking it step by step. And I think, you know, we always echo a, a crawl, walk, run approach. I mm -hmm. think sales enablement, whilst it is now a must have, it's still quite a new concept to, to some people. So sure. I think, you know, if you go in demanding, oh, we need X, Y, you know, all these million things, and we're going to revolutionize things within two weeks, whatever, you know, you're going to panic people. And, yeah. you know, the likelihood is you're not going to be able to deliver that project. So I think um, Ed touched on this earlier as well. I think interviews is, is really key. It's yeah. either understanding what our challenges are today or, or what do we want to improve and i think sales enablement solves a key challenge between sales and marketing that alignment piece because mm -hmm. it's you know marketing spend a lot of time and money you produce content you throw it over the water sales and you have no visibility on what's really going on mm -hmm. so i think really take the time to interview sales marketing it mm -hmm. and understand what's our current state of play where do we want to get to what's realistic yeah. um, and then start to work in uh, an achievable plan from there for your crawl phase and then you can look to improve that in your walk phase and run phase fantastic fantastic that feels like a natural close um, thank you very much to Ed and Reese for joining us today on the B2B NAV podcast. Um, we'll make sure the contact details for Ed, Reese, and obviously ourselves are available on, on all the usual channels. Um, the video will be available on YouTube um, and the audio files will go out across all the usual platforms. Um, also, don't forget to check out uh, www.b2bknowledge.com um, for our free uh, editorial publication and online content hub to help our clients' prospects. Um, and, uh, and contact navigate the ever-evolving B2B marketing landscape. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks. 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 Thank you. Thank you.